Thanks for listening to the CT Podcast, a ministry of Church Triumphant, another opportunity for you to be equipped and encouraged to win, disciple, and send. For further information, go to www.churchtea.org. So a couple, couple weeks ago, I don't know if you guys have ever had this. I'm sitting at the table because we, I think this is what's missing in our communication these days. Read a study a few weeks ago uh, over the summer by some psychologists, sociologists who were dealing with family issues, not Christians. And they said you can, you can decrease your child's chance of doing drugs in half if you merely have more, more of your meals around the dinner table than, than, than you don't. And it, we don't make space to communicate well, so we don't. And so we're missing this. This is here on purpose. I want to leave this thought, this idea in your heart that like right now, what can I do to make sure communication happens at my house? Make this happen. Make, make, make this happen. And, and, and I'll talk about that later. But here, even when you do do things like this, sometimes you still miss it. I don't know if you guys ever had a situation like this, but a couple weeks, a few weeks ago, my wife and I uh, had a little impasse. We had a conversation in our basement, and I was very frustrated, and I was very angry about some things she was doing. I was frustrated and angry because what she was doing was making me feel about that tall. And, and, and I, I was trying to work through that, and she looks at me that day, and she goes, Babe, I was just trying to help you. Oh. And it necessitated a conversation for us to get on the same page. And I think many of us deal with that. Like we're communicating certain things, but the, the message we're sending isn't being received the way we're sending it. And we've lost track of how to get, get it back on track. I, I found oftentimes, the, the, one of the most common things I get a phone call about is how families are going. And almost nine times out of ten, one of the reasons the families aren't going, and I usually don't hear about them until they're not going well. It's just true, Right? You guys never call me when things are going great. Almost that's the only time I hear from somebody is if something's going really bad. And and I, we I find that almost all of them center around some sort of issue that's not being communicated at all, or not, at least not being communicated well, or not being heard well, or something like that. And so it's a it's a big big deal. And I think all of you do. And I think here's the thing: God wants it's not it's not just spouse to spouse. For some of you, the issue is child to parent or parent to child. Some of you right now have a communication issue going on in your life and it has nothing to do with what's going on in your home. It has to do with a friend of yours that you just you can't figure out what the heck happened. Right? Some of you right now have an issue at work, and it's a boss, employee, or a coworker thing, and you're not communicating. And even, even right now, the thought that I, I said the word work or coworker or employee or boss, suddenly you're breaking in like you're starting to sweat because you know tomorrow it's still going to be there. Some of you have an issue with a neighbor. 
And who's a neighbor? Jesus said this, anybody who crosses your path. So there's somebody, you're, you don't really consider them a friend. Maybe you don't consider them really like a, but they're just kind of crossing your life, and, and there's something that's going on there, and you know it needs like, ah, right? And so what we're talking about, not just about the home, the heart for home, it, it, it's about what happens in the home, translating into what happens every place else. So here's the reason some of us have bad relationships over and over again, because we grew up in homes that were toxic and didn't know how to communicate. And then that translates into our workplace, and it translates into the school situation, and it translates in, in, into, our, into our whatever, our activities on a playing field somewhere, and, and all that, and it, it goes back to that. So the reason I would say a heart for home is because it needs to start there, but we're not just talking about there. We're talking about especially there, yes, but it's not just about there. So if some of you are going to check me out right now because you're not married or you're not a parent or you're, not, you're, you're, miss, you're missing it, okay? Or maybe everything's good with you. I get those things too. Everything's fine. And three weeks from now, I'm, hey, I thought you said everything was fine. Well, we were kind of glossing over some things. And so here's the thing. I, I think we've got, we got to get back to this idea that, that, that God's a communicator. And as followers of, of him, we've got to learn how to communicate, We've got to get back to, to what really matters. Um, we need to, our closest, I said this last week, our closest relationships, check this out, our closest relationships reflect the depth of our love for Jesus. So I want, to think about the, I want you right now to think about the person sitting next to you right now, which I'm presuming you're pretty relatively connected to. I want you, I want you to think about how that relationship this week has reflected on Jesus. How is that interaction, how is that thing pointed people to or away from Jesus? Because that's really what we're talking about. Our deepest relationships reflect the depth of our love for Christ. How can you say that, Aaron? Because Jesus gave us two commandments, right? Love God with all your heart, all your mind, all your strength, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. It is that simple. And so we're, we're trying to sort this thing out. So if, if relationships are the basis of civilization, God, God creates a, a family right off the bat in the beginning. He doesn't create an organization. He doesn't develop a church. He creates a family. He makes a home on purpose. If that's the case, what is, a, what, what is one of the best building blocks for a good relationship? And the answer is not just communication, good communication. And so last week I read this to you. Matthew 7, 24, 25. Jesus teaches us how to build a good house. Anyone who listens, there's communication. He's speaking. Somebody should be listening, not just hearing. To my teaching and follows it is wise. Like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against the house, it won't collapse because it is built on the bedrock. We want to build good homes. We can have edifices, we can have buildings, but we may not have homes. And the real idea here is how you're building your life. What is the home life you're creating that you dwell in? That's kind of the idea. Not just the building. He's not talking about the building. He's talking about the actual comings and goings of your life. And so he says, if you listen to what I'm saying, he's communicating. If you listen, you learn to listen well. You apply certain things. Certain things happen. And it's solid and it's stable. And here's the idea. We need to be good communicators because it's not a matter of if the storm's coming. It's a matter of when the storm's coming. And if we're not communicating well before the storm happens, things only go from bad to worse. 
You get that? Last week, I, I, I walked you through the, the, the book of, of Ephesians, and I, came up, I said, the, I said uh, something to the effect of building wisely means living submissively, lovingly, and humbly, I believe, or honorably. This week, let's talk about how we're going to build this week. Building wisely means communicating compassionately, which means listening intensely and speaking carefully. Listening intensely. Speaking carefully. Usually, usually the, spe- the speaking is the part that's intense. Am I right? Huh? The speaking is the part that gets really intense. Like it's... Uh. So today, we're going to talk about that. And, and last week, I walked you through the book of Ephesians. The, the, the book of Ephesians is a, a, a book that, that talks about God creating a family. He wanted us in it. That he saved us by grace through faith. That he's using this mysterious thing called the church to unfold his manifold wisdom to even the unseen uh, spiritual wickedness around us in Ephesians chapter 3. In Ephesians 4, he talks about this thing called the church. How he gave gifts to the church that are people. And how that communication of those people, those gifts being used, creates maturity. And then from about verse 17 of Ephesians 4, all the way through, halfway through chapter 6, he's talking about what maturity looks like in the life of a believer and how we respond predominantly in our relationships. And then he gets all the way to the end of Ephesians chapter 5, and he says, and for wives, this looks like. For husbands, this looks like. And he would go on in chapter 6, if you keep reading, children and parents, this is what this looks like. Bosses and employees, that's what this looks like. And so these ideas we're talking about aren't just for husbands and wives, parents and kids. It's it's about understanding in the context you live in that these things have bearing on us as followers of Christ. They just have a certain application in the home. And he does the same thing in Colossians, which we're going to look at today. Here he talks about communication. Colossians 3, 16 and 17 read like this. Let the message, there's communication, about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Teach and counsel are references to communicating something. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Another reference to a kind of communication. To God with thankful hearts. And whatever you do, and then he tacks on, Or say, communication, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks, another form of communication, through him to God the Father. Now in context, it's kind of funny because it's just like Ephesians. Because he goes from verses 16 to 17 to obviously verse 18, right? You don't have to be a math whiz to figure that out, right? He says these words. Immediately after he says... Those words I just read to you, he says, Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting for those who belong to the Lord. Verse 19, Husbands, love your wives and never treat them harshly. Well, that's a, I just want to stop there for now. This, is, this, is, this one's free. is not in the notes. There's a big five-letter word there. Never. Ne, ne, never. Never. Boy, that's a tough one, ain't it, dudes? I mean, anybody like feel the ouch of that suddenly, like right now, like, huh? I'm I'm suddenly back in the basement a few weeks ago, right? I'm like, I'm I'm back, I'm back in the basement. Never, never, 
Never treat them harshly. I'm going to keep going. Children, always obey your parents for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, don't aggravate your children or they'll become discouraged. So in context, God's saying, if we apply verse 16, 17, then 18, 19, 20 come after that, and that's a kind of a, a representation of what it means for the, the, the message of and Christ and all this full, fullness to fill your lives. You get that? It's contextual. And so he, he's trying to, to make it happen. So, so we've got to ask ourselves these questions. What, what is the purpose of communication at all? Number one, the first communication is to know someone. That's why you communicate, to know them. What's the first thing you do when you walk into a room? Well, some of you don't. What's the first thing Aaron does when he walks into a room? He doesn't know somebody. Hey, how you doing? My name's Aaron. What's your name? You know, and, and my wife's like, why do you have to do that? Can't we just get a feel for the room first before we... Dive down that. But the way you get to know someone, you start by offering something, usually with your mouth and an extension of grace of some kind of your hand, and you say hi, right? And then you begin the process of coming to know a person. This is kind of neat because that's what God does. God wants to know us. You know what He gave us? He gave us Himself. The scripture is given to us on purpose. It's a communication from God on, from heaven so we might know him. And he wasn't content just to give us written words. The Bible would say that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. So he sent himself, his son, to come and communicate with us. What? The truth of who God was. Right? The Bible says it's really cool. Check this out. Hebrews chapter 1 says, in, in, in past times, God spoke to us. And he, re- he references the Old Testament, the, the law and the prophets. He says, but God has now spoken to us through his son. He's communicating even now because of the person of Christ. And, and so he wants to know us. The second thing, the reason we need to communicate is to problem solve. If there's an issue going on, a problem happening, the only way you can fix it with the people in your lives is to have a communication about it. And that, I'm not talking about you know, like tension between you and your spouse. I'm just talking about like, dude, how are we going, how are we going to pay the bills this month? You know, who's going to mow the grass? Right? Who's taking out the trash? Uh, somebody says, it's me. It's always me. Huh? You know, how, how do you, you're going to communicate about those things. The third reason is what you were thinking when I first said problem solve is to resolve conflict. You can't fix a conflict unless you communicate. How many of you guys know conflicts don't go away because you don't talk about them? Anybody know about that? Huh? Anybody know that they just don't, they don't just disappear? You know, you can't like spray 409 on it and it go away, right? You know, there's no Mr. Clean miracle thing that's going to wipe that away, right? So we've got to build wisely. That means communicating compassionately. That means listening intensely. It means speaking carefully. So we have to start by listening intensely to one another, yes, but more importantly, listening intensely to God. That's where it says, let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. Here's the problem with most of us. We're filling ourselves with the message of Christ right now, it will, some of us, it will have no bearing on any decision we'll make the rest of this week. 
It should have bearing on our decisions at work. It should have bearing on our interactions with our, our spouses and our kids. It should have bearing on, oh, I'm going to say a word up there. Like, it should have bearing on our sex life. It should have bearing on all sorts of things. We can't segregate different pieces of our lives and leave it devoid of the Word of God and be followers of Christ. Impossible. Cannot do that. The richness of God's message should fill, fill. What's the word? I wish I had. I'm going to waste a bottle of water. All right, fill, right? Fill, fill our lives. There's no part of that glass right now that's untouched. It is full. No part. None. From the top to the bottom. If I try and pick this thing up and make any movement whatsoever, guess what? What's inside of it is going to slosh out. Some of you are going to be anxious because we're in church and we shouldn't be. Anxious, but All right. Can't help but slosh out. I, there's no place in my And I, if I kick it, it's going to fall over and get everywhere. It has to fill our lives. Some of you don't consider the Word of God when you communicate with the other people in your lives. And I'm not talking about beating them with the Bible. I'm talking about what's godly in response to certain questions, what's godly in response to certain conversations. I'm talking about letting not just the content of the gospel change who you are. I'm talking about the, the, the essence of the gospel penetrating through your words, penetrating through your, your listening, penetrating through all of it. And so is it going to fill all of our lives? So we've got to listen intensely, yes, to one another, but more specifically to God and His message. It's going to fill our lives. So building wisely does mean communicating compassionately. It, and that means listening intensely, and it means speaking carefully. But also, it, 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 think of this, to speak carefully means basing all you say on God's word and character. That's the next line. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Let the interactions between you and others be what God would say. The first part is responding like God would respond. Filling your, your whole life with his, his, his attitude, his, 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 his heart, his mind. The next piece is this, letting what he's already said come through. Are you getting that? And, and, and so he wants that. We, we've got to speak carefully. I can't say things that, 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 that are against the principles I find in Scripture and it benefit me or my, or my kids or my wife or my workplace. I can't fudge on certain things just because it's expedient at the time and it's, you know, I'm frustrated or I'm angry or, or whatever. If I'm going to let the message of Christ fill my life, then the words of Christ have to be the, the go-to responses. Are you getting me? That's why it's important you make a daily digestion of the Word of God. And, and, and honestly, in, in modern day America, you have zero, and I mean zero excuse, because all of you carry around one of these or a smartphone, and for free, you can download version and get every translation known to man, and at a moment's notice, pull it up and read it. No excuse. Zero zilch nada. I'm being rough today, aren't you? You're like, dude, he's like, okay. Okay, boy, can is there football this afternoon? Because I got places. Huh. Let's keep building wisely. Let's communicate compassionately. 
Now, here's the thing. I'm going to teach you some things we teach in our premarital training. Any couple who wants me to marry them has to sit and listen to this. Has to. I have a captive audience. And guess what? The doors are shut. And unbeknownst to all of you, Rick locked them when he came in a minute ago. So you're stuck. I'm just kidding. That's not really happened. No. But I, because here's the thing. It's, it, if it's important for me to teach this to people who aren't married yet, how important is it for me to teach people who are married not getting it right? How important is this is for us to just, if it's a communication issue and, and everything about life is relational and necessitates communication, I better get this right. So here's some top ten. Everybody likes top ten? Everybody used to watch like David Letterman and stuff like that, right? The top ten, right? Here's the top ten common communication mistakes even smart couples make. And I've infracted most of these. Ten common communication mistakes. Number one, believe the goal of the relationship is for you to be heard. And you laugh and giggle, but you know you've had that friendship, right? Huh? You've had that one. Huh? Some of you have been in a, you're like, dude, I've been married to it for 26 years. <laughs> huh? You know, some of you are like, you know, whoa, that's, see, here's the goal of relationship. It's not for you to be heard. The goal of relationship is for you to know and understand someone else. Listen to Proverbs 18.2. Fools have no interest in understanding. They only want to air their own opinions. And you guys have had that conversation, right? Not going to really get to the bottom of it. Just want to make sure I get my point across, right? You're a fool if you enter into a conversation and your whole point is just to get your point across. That's not my words. That's in the Bible. So tomorrow when you go to work and that thing's happening, Right? You're going to march in. You're going to make sure somebody knows how you feel about something. Huh? Better think twice. Better ask some real questions. Better be going in there with an open heart. Number two, common mistake. Not understanding the impacts of words and tone. How many of you guys have ever been in a conversation and somebody say something and they have no idea that it was like, and they just, hey, have a great day. I'll talk to you later. And they're going out the door. And you're like, oh, my gosh, what just happened? Have you ever had somebody, like, say some really nice words, but their attitude just completely sliced you? <laughs> Wasn't the words that time, but, boy, the attitude was just. <laughs> what? What? Hey, I, 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 you know, you heard what I said. Yeah, I heard what you said. Yeah. But what you said wasn't the problem. How you said it, right? Listen to Proverbs 18. Proverbs 18 is full of good stuff. The tongue can bring life, death, or life. Those who love to talk. Oh, help me, Jesus. I heard that. Huh? Somebody amended me when I said that. <laughs> yeah, me and Amy are kind of shared the same. Anyhow, we'll reap the consequences. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. I may add those who love to post on, post on Facebook, those who love to tweet, those who love to text uh, erratically, those, oh, it just got real, didn't it? Got quiet. Everybody stopped laughing. Just this week, 
I have either the privilege or, I don't know, some days it's more of like a weight around my neck. Um, I have the privilege of being an elected official. And so my wife reads me something off of Facebook this week. Somebody that knows me and throws me and everybody else in that council under the bus. Discuss. And I had to do some real heart searching like, Boy, that hurts. Holy crud, that hurts. Ah, you know what I mean? Like, you're like, you know me, man. And so we just say things, have given no bearing to the, how devastating it can be. Nah, never, never even think about it. And if you, you want to talk a lot, you'll reap the consequences. You want to tweet a lot, you'll reap the consequences. You want to post, Facebook post a lot, you'll reap the consequences. Number three, not recognizing your own negative communication patterns. Boy, this is a classic. I can't tell you how many couples I've had to deal with over time, and they walk into my office, and it's always that one. So here's, here's some negative patterns you may have. Withdrawal. Unwilling, what is withdrawal? Unwillingness to stay engaged in important conversations or even to have them at all. That's a bad deal. Number three, negative interpretation. This is where you believe the motive of the other person to be more negative than it really is, than it really is the case. Allah, I'm trying to help you. And I went, oh, oh. Sorry, negative interpretation. Invalidation. Now this one, this one can't be like, it's, this one's subtle. It's a subtle and indirect put downs of thoughts, feelings, or the character of the other person. Well, that's stupid. Or this. You ever been involved in deep in a conversation? You're trying to pour out your heart and you get that? Escalation. Now this is where it gets just negative responses to another to create a snowball. Like you are going to get the last word, man. There is no, there is no way I'm losing this argument. There's no way my point's not going to get across, and I don't care what they say. I'm going to take it up another notch. I'm going to keep going, and they're going to walk out here. They're going to know how I feel because I'm right, right? I'm, I'm right. Then you find out maybe not, not so much. Number four, assume health because of a lack of conflict. This is a huge one. I can't tell you how many times I've been involved with different relationships, husbands, wives, parents, kids, friends, whatever. And they're like, I, I mean, I thought everything was fine. I mean, I can't tell you the last time we had an argument. I mean, I didn't even have any idea. That, I mean, I was just, and that, that's indicative, not of things being well. That's indicative of no communication whatsoever. Not, like nothing. Like, like you presume that things are okay, and what's happening is you're not having conversation about anything important. Nothing. Not even about anything that matters. And so you, you assume it's okay because you're just not arguing. Well, can I say something to you? If one of you is from number three where you withdraw, you probably aren't having any arguments. 
probably aren't having any problems. Don't mistake that for being healthy. Just saying. Romans 12, 18 tells us this. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Do all that you can. It means you can't let things ride. Can I tell you this? See conflict as an opportunity. Twice this week, I've had somebody walk up to me and want to make sure we're okay. It was a great chance on both situations for us to talk and pray together and to make sure things are good. And it's an opportunity not for us to, to have a bad relationship, for us to grow a good one and a deeper one. Some of you avoid conflict at all costs. And you've got to stop looking at it as a problem. You've got to start looking at conflict as an opportunity, that it's a chance to talk about really ma- what really matters. Now, I would say this. Don't just go in there with guns blazing, right? Huh? Dude, it's an opportunity. Right? We'll talk about that in a minute. Number five, assume conflict ends with I'm sorry. That's for you guys. Aren't us guys infamous going, I said I'm sorry. What more do you want? Huh? I should have got a few more amen from the wives. Right? I mean, we're infamous for that, right? We're like, I'm sorry, we're on down the road, get to the next thing, right? And if we don't appreciate the fact that I'm sorry doesn't always cut it, listen listen to these words, Colossians 3.12. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must close yourself, listen to these words, with tenderhearted mercy kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. And all of that indicates process, not something being taken care of quickly and easily. Make allowances for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Sometimes, I'm sorry, don't cut it. Don't fix it in the moment. Don't take care of it for some time to go. It's a good beginning, and you got to go there. But it's not the end of the story, man. And you got to bear with somebody. you got to offer forgiveness. you got to be willing to patiently endure the, the effects because all of our actions, all of our words have consequence. Some intended, some not intended. But we just can't evaporate the consequence because we say, I'm sorry. There's things that have to be rebuilt and things that have to be reconnected and things that have to happen. And so please don't think because you said I'm sorry it's all good. Part of building relationship is digging deep and figuring out why it went off in the first place. Building wisely means communicating compassionately. Compassion means you enter the suffering with someone. So in order to build a a life wisely and a wife wisely, You've got to communicate compassionately. It's not just to fix the problem. It's to be in the suffering with the other person. Do you get that? And so so we've got to to go there. Here's here's another problem. Blame the other person as the root cause of all the conflict. You just don't know who I have to live with. You just don't know. my, My brother James from the Bible he is so direct and to the point. I love how he says this. Well, listen, listen to these words from James chapter 4, verse 1. What is causing the quarrels and the fights among you? Don't they come from the evil desire at war within you? You want what you don't have, so you scheme and you kill to get it. And some of you aren't like concocting some conspiracy to off the person you're aggravated with, but you are with words and with attitudes just slicing away. Right? 
You're jealous of what others have. You see what this other couple's got or what this other family's doing, and your heart, like you're missing something, like life's passing you by, and you just start having these kind of, and you get aggravated with people who don't even have anything to do with why you don't have what you don't have, and let your, your, you fight and wage war to take it away or get what you want. Yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. In other words, to get where you need to go, you've got to communicate. Specifically with the one who made you, maybe he's got better ideas for your life. Anyway, that's good. Okay, we'll go on now. Number seven, avoid structure when dealing with conflict. Proverbs 18, 13, another Proverbs 18 right here. Spouting off before listening to the facts is both shameful and foolish. Spouting off before listening to the facts is both shameful and foolish. So here, how can we actively listen? Here's some rules I want, to, I want you to go, go, with, go through with me. Rules for a speaker. If you're actively listening to someone, when you're having these kind of conversations, you should speak only for yourself. Don't project things onto the other person. Well, you think I'm... They've never uttered that. They've never thought that. Don't mind read. Speak in short phrases. Some of you, we get involved in trying to fix something, and it's like you are like trying to make us drink from a fire hose. You got like 85 points that you want to get across, and it's just too hard to process. And so no wonder it doesn't go anyplace. Speak in short phrases. Stop, stop often and let the listener paraphrase. Good communication skills says this. If you're listening, you're listening with a great heart, and then when you get a chance to speak, you go, let me get this right. I heard you say, and then you reiterate the words they just spoke to you in your own language to make sure the meaning is getting across. That's the rule for a listener. Paraphrase what you hear. Don't refute. This is not your time to, to, to debate. It's your time to listen and understand while you're the listener. All you're going to do is regurgitate back them what they said on purpose. Make sure you understand their heart behind what they said. And then you focus on what they're saying with the right heart and right attitude. Now, here's the other part. Both of you have to engage in this. So here's the thing you have to understand. The speaker has the floor. The per... You get what I'm saying? Like there's, you, you don't come with your side of the argument until you are clearly under, have understood the other person what they're saying. But you have to share the floor. That's why you got to speak in short phrases and reiterate back to one another what's going on. And the speaker always keeps the floor while the listener's paraphrasing. You got to go back and forth, not taking on the whole ball of wax. I think in our political circles, we do better if we just take on one thing at a time rather than trying to confront the whole issue all at once. <laughs> and then we say things and tweet things and do stuff that's, where is that coming from? Anyway, that's a talk for another day. Building wisely means communicating capacity, listening intensely, and speaking carefully. Here's another problem. When you start confronting something, if you don't, sometimes there's a necessity for a timeout. And I'm not talking about you like you sit the person in the corner. You're in timeout. Just, I'm the speaker. You're supposed to be a listener. You're in timeout. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about like understanding that, like, okay, we've, we've gotten through what we can get through today. Ephesians 4.26 says this. Don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. So there's a time and a season for anger. Listen to these words. For anger gives a foothold to the devil. And so if you don't deal with something appropriately, you're giving the de- the, 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 your enemy of your soul, of your home, of your family, a place to operate from. 
So if you don't communicate correctly, you don't understand times and seasons, and you're just going to tackle stuff, and you're going to do things, you're you're giving anger a foothold, and anger gives the devil a spot from which to operate in your life. So how how will you know when it's time to take a time out? I'm going to give you a a four-letter acronym called HALT. The first one you're probably going to laugh at. Is this going to sound crazy? Hungry. Because once you, you, you've got to a spot where you've exerted a lot of energy and a lot of, and your body's like, dude, I can't keep going through this emotional turmoil. I need filled up again. I need to, your, your brain doesn't function. You guys know that. Your brain doesn't function correctly. You don't hear well. I mean, how many of you ever been like just absolutely starved and your wife wants to have that conversation with you then? Huh? Anybody ever been there? And like all you can hear is, and you're like, and she's like, did you hear me? I'm like, no. I, 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 I. Um, if you're angry, if you're so angry you can't function well, it's time to take a break. If anger's controlling the conversation, it's time to step back. Hey, how about this? If you're late or lost, L. Huh? How many of those conversations where you've, you've pulled a double, you're getting home late, Dinner's already three hours later than normal. You're hungry, you're late, and they're like, hey, we got to have a conversation. And you're like, right. ever been in the car? Because us husbands are infamous for not looking for directions, right? Thinking how to get there. And then you're late for somewhere and you're lost simultaneously. And then the next words are like this from your wife riding co-pilot with you. You always do stuff like this. And then suddenly, all of a sudden, like three things that happened like four weeks ago, you're like, we're just late and we're lost. What's that got to All right? And then the T is tired. Many of you know that when you're, and some of you are like, dude, for real, like, can you be done now? It's time to halt, I think. It's time to be done. Another thing, number nine, forget timing and environment matter. Some of you try and have the most crazy interactions while your kids are involved in the situation, and then it just gets worse and worse and worse. Or you try and confront something with a, with a boss while the rest of the coworkers are around. Or you scream across the back fence at the neighbor whose dog won't shut up, and all the rest of the neighbor's like, Colossians 4, 6 says this, let your conversation be gracious and attractive so you'll have the right response for every, everyone. And so you've got to communicate in such a way that creates a space for grace and a, attraction to Christ to prevail. It's got to be a good environment. It's got to be the right timing. Another mistake couples make or people make when they're in the middle of a conflict is they never ask anybody else for help. Intervene. Listen to Matthew 18. If another believer sins against you, go privately and point out the offense. That's the being aware of time and space, right? Environment and, and people that are around. If the other person listens, confesses it, you have won that person back. But if you are unsuccessful, take one or two others and with you and go back again. So everything you say can be confirmed by two or three witnesses. If the person still refuses to listen, take your case to the church. 
than if he or she won't accept the church's decision, treat that person as a pagan or a corrupt tax collector. Those are pretty strong words. Now we're talking about sin and offense, okay? And so when it gets to that level and it's actual sin and offense, it's just a, a, a communication problem. That's where that comes in, okay? But the principles are the same. Some of our problems escalate. You know why? Because we don't go to the person we're, at, we're, we're, we're frustrated with. And I know how it works. I've been doing this gig most of my life. Hey, would you pray for me? I got this problem with so-and-so. And before you know it, like eight people know before the person... Can I say this to you? That is sin. You know in your heart, and you do, now here, I'm going to say this right now. Right now, today, right now, today, you've heard the gospel. Right now, right here, Matthew 18, Jesus in red letters. If something develops between you and another person, and you go talk to three other people, even under the guise of prayer, and you know what happens? You talk for 45 minutes about the problem. Oh, oh dude, I got to go. And, you, and, and prayer never happens. And I'm just saying. The shoe fits, wear it. Because here's what happens. I've had time and time again people call me or come into my office, and this has happened for, for, so, numerous, more times than I could talk about. Well, my spouse. Okay. Um, my next question is, have you talked to them about this yet? Well, they won't listen to me. And I'll go back right to Matthew 18. I'm like, we should not be having this conversation. They'll look at me like. <laughs> One time this happened. And they said, my old pastor did that. And I said, well, I'm sorry. I'm not going to. In fact, we're not going to have a conversation until you have a conversation. Because that goes against the Bible. Two days, and I said, by the way, you're in a small group here, aren't you? Yeah, and I said, here's the paradigm. You go talk to them. If you can hash it out, sweet, we're done talking. If you can't, the people who are most engaged in your life, I'll be your next step. Get two or three witnesses. The reason you do that is because they're people you both of you respect and that you honor and that you'll both listen to, and they're engaged in your life so they can't affirm or confirm what you're saying or not. Can I say something to you? I don't see you on a regular basis. I see you for an hour and a half on Sunday morning and occasionally in Walmart. I cannot hold you accountable for what you're saying. And it just becomes a he said, she said. The reason we believe circles are better than rows is because you need people to do life with you. So I told him, I said, if you have a conversation with your spouse and it works, good, we're great. If not, the very next people you should call is your home group leaders. Because they're engaged in the process. Now, if that doesn't work, then we go to step three, which is bring it to church leadership. It's right there in the Bible. And so many times, some of you will come to me about petty things about somebody walking around here. And they don't even know that's an issue. And you're frustrated and angry, and all of a sudden you're having a conversation with me. That's not biblical Christianity. That's not the gospel in community. That's selfish westernized, American, I want to complain to somebody else who can do something so I can just keep doing what I'm doing. <laughs> you guys didn't bank on that today, did you? But it's true. And I, I talk to pa other pastors all the time, and if there's one thing that frustrates them more than anything else, it's because communication breaks down in the church because people don't apply this sim these simple three verses. And they've talked to everybody and their brother except for the person that the problem is with and, and wonder why the church gets a reputation for gossip and being hypocritical. 
And it shouldn't be. Because it's in the, the Scripture, plain and simple. And so we, we, we've got to get that right. Building wisely means communicating compassionately, listening intensely, and speaking carefully. And I just want to say this to you. Not, not, not to beat a dead horse or whatever. Do it as Jesus would. That's what I'm going to say to you. How would, how would Jesus handle it? Colossians 3, and whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. You got to see every communication with your spouse, with your kids, with your coworkers, with your employees, with your friends, with your neighbors, with the people in and out of the store, wherever it is you market that, whatever. All of them that you have to be a representative of Jesus. That's your calling. So how how can I make how how can I create a good environment for communication? Number one, make time. Create a space. Make time. Make time to communicate well. Create a space where you can communicate without there being friction and frustration and anger. Can I say this to you? See these? When it comes time to have the real conversation, at the dinner table, put the stinking phones down. I don't think anything else is messing up American families worse than that. Step away from the TV for an evening and actually eat the dinner around the table. Actually get used to looking each other in the face and having a legitimate conversation. Do that. Don't think you can text a hard conversation. Stop that. Don't think you can post it on Facebook and then things go well. Stop it. And the next time your kids show up at the table, give them a basket and tell them, put them away. Now, we're having a legit conversation at this table as a family. I don't care if they like it or not. I don't care what the other parents are doing. I don't care. <laughs> I got the privilege of sitting in, in, a, in a dinner one time. You always wonder if you're of what you're doing practically makes sense or if it helps your, 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 your kids a lot or not. And I watched as one of my kids talked after receiving an award about how important those circles were around our dinner tables with tears streaming down her face. And I thought, that is priceless. And many times, they didn't like it. You know what I find now? Our kids hold us accountable. Because occasionally I'm waiting on something really important to come back. Somebody got back to me all day, and I'll hear the phone buzz or ring, and I'll be like, I'll go, and they're like, Dad, it's dinner time. Yes. Yes, it is. Can I say something else to you? Listen more than you speak. James 1 says this, be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to get angry. And if you're going to listen, be active in it. Participate in the listening process like we described today. Well, Aaron's, like I told him today, I don't expect it to go fast. I told him this morning in the thing. And so I'm done. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to send you home. And I'm like, oh, thank you, Jesus. I want, I, want you, I want you to think about something right now. And I'm not going to have you close your eyes or 
bow your head or nothing like that. I just want you to be real people with real problems who serve the real God who's got real answers. Right now, some of you sitting here right now, and you say, Aaron, I've, I've, got, I've got issues right now. And here's an important thing. You've got to acknowledge things in order for conf- confession brings healing is what James 5, 16. Then prayer, the effective prayer of the righteous, makes power available. So we're going to walk through this process in a very practical way right here, right now. Okay? Some of you say right now, like, i got a problem in my home with what, my spouse, and I know it's a communication issue. I, I, I need prayer that I will apply the things I've heard today. Anybody like that at all? Good, good. How many of you say, I, I with my spouse, I, I, I got communication problems with my kids? Good deal. How many of you, got, how many of you guys are the people I talked about this week uh, who are like already frustrated about going back to work tomorrow? And you got some communication issues going on there. Well, some of you are like triple dipping, like, like hey, well, I don't have enough limbs. Or, Here, can I say something to you? We're all in this together. And some of us aren't raising our hands because we're still like, oh, what are they going to think? Quit thinking what people think. Quit worrying about how God's going to intervene in your life. How many of you have an issue with a friend right now that you know needs to be contended with? There's something that's got to get out in the open. Mm-hmm. How, can, I, how, can, we, can we get really real for a minute? How many of you, that person's in this room right now? Oh, we're going to play religious games now, right? Yeah, because we're just going to keep playing the same game over and over again. Because what I'm going to say to you, the Bible says if we have an offering, we, should, we shouldn't bring it to God until we first go to our brother and be made right. And so right now, this is where it gets real. If i got an issue with someone, I should go, right now, I should go to the, you, like, you mean like right now? I mean, yeah, like right now. Look across rooms and go, hey, can I see you out there? Otherwise, we're just playing Christian games. That's what we're doing. We're just, we're just going through the motions. We're just not really applying Scripture. How many got somebody, somebody in your neighborhood, a neighbor, somebody you're, you're, you're not really necessarily super friends with, but they, your, your path kind of crosses on an occasional thing, and you know there's something there because they, they let their dog poop in your yard or something like that, and you're just like, i got to get that dealt with. Anybody? Okay, see, that's real. Huh? Let's stand right now. I want you to pray with me, and we're going to send you home. The Bible says confession. When we confess our faults to one another, that's the place healing begins, and the effective, fervent prayer of the righteous makes much power available, and things begin to change. So what I want you to do right now, I want you, as I pray with you, I want you to pray to God the Father that he'd help you be a better communicator, and you would learn to understand the other person you're engaged with. You'd communicate well. You'd communicate without anger. You'd communicate in the right time, in the right place with the right heart, because this is where the world changes. So, Father, we come to you right now, Jesus. And God, all across this room, there have been people who have raised their hands and said, yep, I got that problem. I'm not communicating with my spouse very well. Yep, my, my, my kids and I have issues. I, I have problems with my, some friendships. I have some problems with some coworkers. I, Lord, God, you, you've, you've asked us to be the extension of your grace and your mercy, God, into the lives of other people. And the way that's most clearly defined is how we interact with one another. And so, God, I pray that today these contentious moments, these things that need to be handled, God, would be done so in such a way that, God, we can truly say we have, will operate as a, as a representative of the Lord Jesus in all that we did and all that we said. God, we pray for the power of your Holy Spirit to be upon your people. God, to grant them wisdom, to grant them the right words, to give them the right attitudes. 
God, to help him understand when's the time to have the deep conversation. When's the time to approach the conversation. When's the time to ask for the conversation. God, I pray, Father, that today your glory would be upon your people and that, God, we would come back in a few months and there would be testimony after testimony how a home is healthier. God, how a parent-child relationship is right. How friends got back on the same page. How an entire work environment was altered because you intervened through the lives of your people, giving them your heart, giving them your mind. Jesus, we want to be those kinds of people. And so, Jesus, God, give us your eyes. Give us your ears. Give us your hearts. God, where anger has a foothold, we exalt the name of Jesus over that. You tell us, Jesus, in 2 Corinthians 10, spiritual warfare is, is, is where, the, where Satan has strongholds. We, 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 we throw in obedience in the name of Christ over that, and the strongholds are demolished. And so, Jesus, today, as we've heard your word, begin the process of, of, of dismantling Satan's strongholds in our homes, in our families, in our relationships, in our workplaces, God, because of the prayerful activity of your people, Lord Jesus. God, we thank you, God, for doing that. God, we thank you that you sent your word and you've healed us already. That, Lord Jesus, your hope is to reignite relationship between us and you, and you're the one who's the initiator. You go after us, the scriptures say. And so, God, let us be the kind of people who go after other people, who chase them with the hope of extending grace and mercy and forgiveness into their lives, Jesus. And so, God, we trust you and we bless you. Thanks for listening to the CT Podcast, a ministry of Church Triumphant, another opportunity for you to be equipped and encouraged to win, disciple, and send. For further information, go to www.churcht.org.